You know what? You are the only person you are guaranteed to spend the rest of your life with. So, we want you to feel at home with yourself. To have an understanding of what being human truly means. And to be a witness to the things that are happening within you. We're here for the good. The bad. And the downright ugly. <laughs> so, come on this journey. And be messy with us. You are listening to The Real Meaning of Humanity with Alexis. That's my name. And you're Krista. Yeah, that's me. Well, guys, welcome to the first episode of the Masculine Series. We are so excited. Um, This is going to be a good, good series. We have a really great guest on this episode. I'm going to intro him in in just a second. But obviously, you know, by the title, we're going to talk about Adam. So don't roll your eyes. We love Adam. (laughs) We appreciate Adam. And that's what this is going to be about. But yes, Adam failed. So did Eve. It's okay. It's okay. It's fine. (laughs) We still love them. But we do have a very special guest to, like, special guest to my heart because I've known him for like a while, like a years. But then, like, we took like some, I hadn't talked to him in years, but I worked with him for years (laughs) at the church that I was a part of. And um, he was just always really good to me. Um, We actually um, recently, just got coffee um, a month ago or so and I was like oh my gosh he needs to be a part of this masculine series it's just you know hearing his heart and hearing so much of how he's grown and just his views now on on men on himself on Christianity and um, most importantly on God it really did inspire me and he is so yes he worked with me he was my boss and um here he is, Boaz. We're Woo! really excited to have you. Hey, hey. Hey. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to be here too. Um, and uh, I'm really excited and honored and grateful that you chose me to be a part of the uh, this specific masculine series too. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Yeah. When we were um, bringing it um, all together, like our blueprint, that's what we do with it with each series that we're about to go into and we do a list of what potential people we would want on the episode and you were one of those first people like you were like a part of our plan a so thank you for being here and we're really honored that you said yes because Mm -hmm. you could have said no right awesome well thank you i'm glad to be here too Mm -hmm. and then boaz is is there like anything that you want to share about your heart just so like our listeners can get to know you just a little bit sure um like when we had that coffee, I was talking to you a little bit about just kind of reading through the Bible for a year and just really looking for, you know, what God says in the red letters, what Jesus said, red, red letters, you know, I think it's our closest, you know, as we're going to get on earth from God speaking recorded. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my heart shifted from a lot of religious things over the past five years, um, four, four or five years, I had a big transitional point in occupation and my life shifted. And so when I was reading through the Bible, I was like, God, what do I believe? And Jesus, who are you? What did you actually say? And Jesus didn't say it. I don't know that I want to be a part of it. Um, Not that it's wrong, but I just don't want to do a bunch of good things. I want to do the the things that actually matter. And I don't want to add to those things, a bunch Mm -hmm. of religious BS that's going to muddle who I, who I'm supposed to be. Yeah. So ultimately you say, share your heart my heart has really shifted over the last year, uh, years, five years or so to, and and ultimately I believe these things before I've just taken and stripped away. This is now here's Mm -hmm. the bones of what I believe. And what I believe is that we're supposed to love people period. And Mm -hmm. bottom line for me is what, 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 what's my heart? What am I all about? Let's just love people period, whether they believe or whatever. And so, um, you know, uh, let's see here. I, I wrote some notes that I, I think are important. So when I, when I talk about loving people, love the people that are like me or not, mm-hmm. believe like me or not, live like me or not, think like me, are, are like me or not, sexually uh, oriented the way I believe to be or not. Um, and they, the way they talk or they look or their culture, their differences, and really enjoying those differences and choosing um, to love them and let them love me back in their way too and uh, so that's that's kind of you asked me what what I'm about that's what I would say um some some of that love has been a lot harder um, I didn't, <laughs> of course even though I was, I this is I can verbalize this is what I believe um sometimes when you're faced with something that you believed and trusted to be wrong or mm. not acceptable 
you know, fighting that on a day in a day out basis has been a little harder than I thought it would be. Right. Um, but just really coming back to the fact of what did Jesus say? He said to love these people and, you know, not getting distracted with all the banter on Facebook and social media and all these places mm-hmm. about Jesus said this and he did it with this reason. And okay, great. Just keep reading. You know, um, right. one day your, your journey is probably hurting people right now, but my journey probably hurt people too. And, um, letting people go on their own journey. Um, and then probably the second part of who, what I, who I really believe I am is, is to be a discipler, um, yeah. discipling other people. And I know that word can get into, you know, maybe the business term is mentoring or whatever you want to call it. But I just believe that's who I am. Mentor anyone, any age that wants to change, not to be just like me, but to that want to be a better human, a better person, a better man, father, husband, follower of Christ, whatever it is that you want to be that I have to give to you. I want to be able to give it to you and mentor you. Um, and not even just to, you know, I say not to just be like me. Um, so the second part of that discipling is as much as I think I've hit the nail on the head, at least 53.5% of my life, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm trying to uh, transform anyone i'm not trying to transform anyone into me but rather who they're created to be pointing yes. into what i believe about god the things i true truly believe is core values here's the hundred percent and it's like probably ten percent i i these are the, of what i believe and act out ten percent i know based yeah. off of like everything in me i could i could scream it from the mountaintop and i don't care if you reject me you know i'll give you the finger back and we can love each other okay <laughs> but, <laughs> but um and mostly just pointing them back to god and yeah. for God to reveal who they are, um, because I can't, you know, so many times people were like, I just don't know who I am, where I'm supposed to be, what school I'm supposed to go to. And, you know, I'd be like, well, I can't reveal that for you. I have no clue either. You know, you're just a person just like me and you're on a journey. And I think if I would just say this before I end who I am, mm-hmm. I would say uh, not, not to ramble for 45 minutes about who I am, uh, <laughs> but I would say that God, I think God cares. So when I say this, it's not that God doesn't care. God does care. But I think that we put more pressure on God telling us every single thing we're supposed Mm -hmm. to do in our life. And God created you with an individual will, uh, mind, emotions, heart. And I think probably 80% of your life, God wants you to make a choice because I have a kid. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to tell him who he's supposed to be. I don't want to tell him what school he's supposed to go to. I want him to figure out what he wants and he's going to make mistakes. But part of the journey is me getting to watch him, love him, mentor him, disciple him through the good, the bad, the ugly, and whatever makeup. I love that. How beautiful. Like, I mean, the whole time I'm listening to you, I'm like, okay, so basically he has a passion inside of him to help give people like tools in order to really unlock their authentic self. Like that is your true goal. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah. And I, I love how you said like, because above all else, it's, this is biblical is to love. And part of loving someone is allowing them to have that free will to have them allow them to make choices and decisions and you partner with them in that, like, Mm -hmm. and that's a relationship with God. And one of my mentors that, um, I'm, you know, that's in my life right now, he said that, and he's married now, but he was on a date like a long time ago. And he was like, I, when you're dating, you learn a lot from people. And so I feel like God allowed me to learn this from a woman when, cause she was like, I guess the girl that he was on a date with, he was, um, she was like, well, my job is to love people. Well, and he, and his response was like, well, how do you make people, you know, feel loved? And she was like, I'm not trying to make people feel loved. My job is just to love them. And like, you know, so it's just like, you don't need to make people feel loved. Although that's really, um, that's an amazing gift. If people feel loved by you, but your job really is to love them, not have that codependency with it of like, do you feel loved by me? Like, are you, you know, like, but like your, your job is to just love people and love people well. So I love how you brought that into the mix. And then also when you're just explaining about like church and like how you're just reconstructing and stripping away a lot of the, um, let's just say like worldly cultural views within that institution and stuff. So it, it, I was thinking, I was like, dang, when we have our church series, (laughs) you're coming back. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like that story just sounded very familiar of like, 
you know, kind of getting out of like that checkbox mentality and like, okay, well, what is it like the true depth of God? Like, what is that? And looking only at that mm-hmm. sounds familiar. <laughs> yes. I'm sure. So thank you, Boaz. Um, but yeah, let's just get into it. Um, our boy, Adam. Yeah. Our, <laughs> oh, oh, our sweet boy, Adam. Oh, oh Adam. Adam. <laughs> We love Adam. We do. But yes, we, we cannot talk about the, we cannot talk about men. We cannot talk about the masculine series without talking about the first man ever created, which is Adam. Adam. And I think, cause when I was younger, I was taught and we'll get into like what we're all taught. But when I was younger, I was taught like Eve was the one who was messed, who was messed up. Eve was at fault for everything. So it made me have resentment towards Adam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like, even as a little girl, I had these belief systems towards Adam because of the way he was being um, represented, represented, and then also the way Eve was being targeted. And so I was just like, well, why does Adam have to be like, where was he at? Like, why was he just saying he's superior? And huh? so like, <laughs> even like during this masculine series, Um, for me, like I had to strip away a lot of my ideas about Adam and to love him and to see the beauty in Adam's heart. Like, like God saw the beauty and loved him so much because he's the first man ever created. He could have created anybody else, but he chose to wire this man the way he was. Mm -hmm. And he was called Adam. And there's so much power that Adam had. There's so much authority that Adam had over the world. And there's so much beauty in that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like my, my thoughts about Adam growing up were similar to yours. Mm -hmm. They were just why, like I said earlier, like, why is he superior? And it was all Eve's fault, but like, just like us going back with Eve, we can learn a lot about like women and why we are the way that we are the same thing. We can go back and look at Adam and figure out, okay, well, why are men, a lot of men, the way that they are too. Yeah. I think what you're saying about Adam is kind of what I've thought about Adam more recently, (laughs) um, (laughs) But yes, for sure. Um, I think what I learned about Adam wasn't as much taught to me as much as it was um, assumed or inadvertently through taught to me through like my dad or the men around me. Um, but the things that I, I pulled away from it was Adam was the first human, you know, first is important, you know, first fruits, you have all these different things we're taught in you know, the Bible, all oh, the first, the first, the first. Mm-hmm. Um, he got to name all the animals, you know, mm-hmm. um, he looked at all the animals for a suitable partner and none of them fit, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, the, he was naked and free and unashamed. He was the first yeah. commando, the real true commando. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think what I learned is what you learned that yeah. women, women led him to sin. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. And that I think even that, even that just to not go too far ahead, but I think that's how I saw women as they're a big temptation in my life. Um, because of that so what I learned from Adam that that was what I learned so that almost projected a lie for my future about all women can be evil they can all Mm. lead me astray and I have to be really careful around women and that even projected on me like this insecurity and this fear of women from that Mm. belief and I don't know that I could have said that five years ago but like just walking through that process over the last couple years I've been able to see that like I had a deep fear a pretty woman I was immediately paralyzed on the inside So, um, so yeah, that's what I, that's what I was taught about Adam. Well, yeah, I'm honestly so glad you brought that up because how many other men feel that way without even having that language to it? Because I've noticed that like, just like growing up and I didn't really know what it was. I didn't really like, I couldn't really discern it quite right. And because I was always confused of like, why is this like this stamina over woman? Like, as if like, I'm going to lead you in temptation. Like, and we talked about this in the feminine series, but I think it's good to bring it up in the masculine series because men actually believe this. And this is where the action follows behind it of like what you just said. Like, well, I was taught that women led Adam, led the first man ever created into temptation. So now women, all women are going to lead me into temptation. So we have to cover women up. We have to make, you know, we can't let them be too much out there or be seen too much or be too close too much. You know, Mm -hmm. like we always have to keep them in this box, but in reality, we're keeping another woman or human being in a box. We're keeping us still in that box. 
because we're not giving us the power or the freedom to be like, Hey, I have the power to say no, just like Adam had the power to say no. Mm-hmm. I think it was, I think something was interesting for me, um, watching, like, I, I, you know, I'm not going to talk bad about my parents. They raised me in such a great way, put, you know, had a great projection because of the things they taught me. Some of it was very religious versus what I would say is biblical, mm-hmm. um, or not even biblical. I would say Jesus. Jesusical, Jesusical. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. There's, yeah. there's, there's a lot of things in the Old Testament, just side note, that I think were written by men in that mm-hmm. time, in that era, with that culture that do not apply, that are not God's character, period. Stop there, move on. Yes. But one of the things my <laughs> one of the things my mom did is like, you know, bikinis were like bikinis were a sin. Like I don't know if it was ever said, but it was projected onto me that mm-hmm. my my sister was not allowed to wear a bikini. She was only allowed to wear one piece. Um, the moment all three of us kids were married, my mom and dad, I say the moment, it could have been five years later, whatever. But my parents went to Hawaii. They had this big, they'd never been to Hawaii. They went on this big vacation. My mom's wearing a bikini and posting pictures. <laughs> I'm like, sinner. <laughs> but I think there's so much fear about women leading men astray. But the moment they get married, it's like, okay, we did our job. Now, now it's okay to really be who I am. But I had to project this onto you so that you wouldn't get raped, so that you wouldn't be blah, so you wouldn't have or premarital sex. You know, we started adding all these things onto this. It was, but it's all out of fear. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, yeah. And, and tonight, yeah. And then can I bring this up and we could edit this out if you want me to, but I said this in the last episode, um, the week before, um, and how, like, I found out that, um, the reason why I was stayed at the level that I was at was because of, you know, your body, <clears throat> my body <laughs> and, um, why I wasn't like you know, raised up or put on the platform is because like the way my body was or the way I looked and you were actually the one that said that to me and revealed that to me, that there was that, um, view of me as a woman. And, um, and so do you, do you want me to talk about that? <laughs> go, yeah, go for it. I'm, okay. I'm not ashamed. And, and like, and that's the thing, like when we were at coffee and you were telling me about that and I wasn't mad at you. Um, I, I didn't even blame you at all. I was more like, I, I thought about everything and like, at first it was like, oh, well that makes sense. But as I like pondered on it, of course, it like really started to sit in and I started grieving the fact that like that was put on to me and like, but as I, I took that, like I partnered with other people's insecurity or fear of me. And I partnered that and I started hating my body. And because I couldn't grow. And I think when we do that, when we do that to other human beings, when we do that, like that isn't loving people, that's keeping them trapped, especially when they feel like they don't have the power to say no to your own insecurities about, you know, other people. And it keeps you trapped. Like I was saying, it keeps that man trapped as if like, I'm going to be controlled and powerless when it comes to women. Like we're all supposed to raise each other up. We're all supposed to empower one another. Like you can say, no, you don't have to be controlled by if a woman wears a dress or if a woman wears a shirt that doesn't go all the way up to their neck, you know, like you can, you can say no. And and you can actually partner with God and be like, Hey, like God made her and she's beautiful, but that doesn't mean I'm going to like fall into temptation. Does that make sense? yeah and so first of all like i said i'm not ashamed i i i should be ashamed and embarrassed and i am you know but i just would say i'm ashamed and embarrassed that's the way i treated you because of the way i believed and you know that's why i sent you that message to say hey you know this has been on my heart for last year because i feel convicted because you know a lot of people think shame is all bad but shame brings conviction a lot of times it's a it's a turning like mechanism that i think i don't know uh, I wouldn't say, I don't know that God created it, but it's part of it that actually leads us to him in some way, I think. Um, I don't think shame is good. I don't think shame is something we should walk in. We should figure it out, f- find out why we have it and either release it to God or ask for forgiveness and move on. And so that's why I sent you that message was to like, hey, I'm sorry, because the way I saw women, I had insecurity around you. So as a, 
I would say a grown ass man, as a pastor at a church, and some college age girl that comes in here that's that's beautiful. You are a beautiful girl um, that maybe doesn't dress the way that I was traditionally told a woman should dress. I was insecure for you. And so for that, I said something to you along the lines of, if you really want to work here, you want to go get that job. You're going to have to not show any cleavage. You're going to have to, you know, cover yourself up, mm-hmm. which was honestly probably about 80% true. You know, yeah. I think there's other people that got through the door through relationship or whatever that didn't matter, but I was trying to, you know, in some part of me, I was, I had the good intention of, if you really want to work here, you're going to have to do this. Mm-hmm. And, and even to go back inside of that, I think we had had conversations in the children's like staff, you know, where I was on staff and um, we just said, you know, this person dresses this way. We don't want to put them on a platform. So there was conversations like that, even within our own stuff. I don't know, if, you know, directly about you, but anyways, just in generalization, that's where I was coming from. Um, but I also just over the years, it was less about what the organization would say. And it was more about my own insecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what you were asking? I think I, yeah, yeah. And like I, to put a little backstory, what he was saying when he reached out to me, um, because he like, he saw that we had a podcast. So he started listening to it. He listened to my story, obviously. And, um, he, he reached out to me and he apologized for a lot of the things, which I don't even remember that conversation. I think I do remember like once in a bit of a conversation where I was telling you about my dreams and how I want to be a platform speaker and travel the world and all these things. And you're like, really? Like, I just remember your response. <laughs> I remember your response being like, really? Are you sure you think you're going to do that? And then that's the only thing I remember. But I think I blacked out a lot of everything else when it comes to you, because like, I was just like, and maybe God was protecting me from it, but yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. And I think that's very important because we want to empower men in this series because we don't want them to feel powerless in anything really. Like you can overcome that when it comes to like, Hey, if a woman's wearing a bikini or if a woman isn't wearing a shirt, that's like, like sometimes she just can't help it. Like it's hard to cover, you know, you know what I'm saying? Right. And so like, it's just like, Hey, like, I don't have to feel powerless to that. I can go to my father for it and be fathered and, um, or just like realize like, Hey, we're just all human. We all have different body types and all that stuff. So that was a little, I remember, yeah. And I remember watching your face well in that conversation. And that's when like, in I watched your face go from like this, you know, ball of energy and ready to conquer the world to immediately was like deflated. And I think when I let, I immediately knew I was wrong. Like I left that meeting and I felt like a piece of shit. <laughs> um, and, and I just remember like, you know, after I left, Gate- I left like gateway, everybody knows that. I don't yeah, think yeah. it matters, but, yeah. um, but that was just every, every so many months it would just come back to me. You know, I think we were friends on Facebook or something. So it's, you post something and it was just like, that. just that same gut feeling. And so it took a couple of years for me to realize who I was and why it was wrong. And that's when I reached out the apology and stuff. And then we had coffee and, talk about all the different changes in life and it was fun and uh so like you know but it was those those fears of insecurity um i think they kept so many men you know i think i was even taught in you know not to get too far ahead but i was even taught like in my church like you can't even look at a pretty woman you know i'm like mm-hmm. but i can look at a ferrari and want and desire a ferrari and that's not lust mm-hmm. you know i can play grand theft auto and kill somebody for a ferrari that's one thing you do horrible <laughs> you know um but and that's okay but it's not okay to look at a woman and be like she's really beautiful i would want her to be my wife yeah. that's a that's sin and that's not sin that's not wrong mm-hmm. right and and i can just as i can uh, admire a sunrise i can admire a beautiful woman yeah it's in the it's the intent when jesus jesus raises the bar for everybody and it wasn't you can't admire a woman he says no if you look at her with lust in your heart and and when we break that down here's what i personally jesus says look when you look at that woman and you think that's something sexual and she's not your wife Mm -hmm. when you look at that woman i think i would kill steal and destroy for that Mm -hmm. you know in a sexual term those are the lustful things lust is something that is I will do something evil to get what I want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's defined pretty easily in the Bible as far as what's evil. So anyway, yeah. it's the intent of stuff. the heart. Yeah. It's just the intent of the heart. Right. And where it's coming from. Exactly. I mean, 
sorry, I'm going to kind of switch gears here, but like the theme that I'm hearing from like you and just like just Ben that I know is that like, you know, a lot of the times we or men have put um, kind of the blame on women, like we talked about earlier. Um, But but, um, if we go back and we look at Adam, we can kind of see that it wasn't all just Eve, it's not all just because of women. And Mm -hmm. so what I want to do is I want us to go ahead and dive into Adam and kind of go into that story Mm -hmm. and kind of pick that apart and figure out, okay, well, what did, what did Adam do? Like, yes, we know that Eve ate the fruit. We know all that stuff, but like, where was Adam and what did he do? Yeah. And also like, what was like God's heart for Adam when he was creating him? So like how, what was God's like heart for men and masculinity as Adam was, you know, um, created as God was giving him the authority over the earth and like naming everything. I mean, how cool is that, that God's giving you the gift? Like, Hey, I'm going to sit back and you're going to name everything. You're going to have the voice and the power and the strength because you're capable and you're going to name everything. Yeah. I think when I look at it, you know, Adam was a hard worker period. I think every, every man doesn't want to work. They want to retire. Like that's the dream is like, how do I retire when I'm 30? I'm like, dude, shut up. You're 20. Go go work. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, but God gave him a job. And I I think we just, Oh, oh, first of all, yes. He, he named all the animals. There's a creativity that God did in masculinity that I think we've the masculine for a lot of part of just push that aside. Oh, women are creative little free spirit, (laughs) you know, whatever. (laughs) But but no, God said, look, I want you to come up with names for every animal. There's a ton of animals. That was super creative. But the second part was to work hard. He said, go, go use your hands, get your hands in the soil, tend my garden. There's hard work mm-hmm. there. Um, I think a lot of what I see, Adam and masculinity, I see through other men, pastors, dads, all that stuff, like I said. Mm-hmm. But one of the things is like, they're powerful. They're strong. Like yeah. I see, I see, like when I think of a man, I look at Thor, you know, yes. <laughs> drop the hammer, you know, yeah. but um, you know, even like my dad, uh, one time I, these two dudes in a truck came by and my sister was walking from the neighbor's house and she was feeding their dogs or whatever. And they slapped the side of the truck and said, Hey, little girl, we're coming for you. I think my sister was like eight, 10, 12 years old, something like that. Uh-uh. And she came running and crying. And my dad uh, grabbed me. We jumped in the car. My sister's in the car. She's like, that truck, that truck, you know. And then my dad followed that truck through every stop sign. I don't think he got more than six inches away from their bumper. I thought, oh, my God, we're all going to jail. And I could just see him. Like, there was a there was a rage in him like I'd never seen in my life. Um, those stupid three boys that did that in you know, a single cab pickup pulled straight up to their house, which we egged for the next three months. But, uh, <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> but uh, uh, my dad literally reached in, they had the window down and grabbed this guy. The first guy, you know, pulls him through the window, you know, and it's just like, don't you have, you know, kind of thing. And the other two guys are like trying to get out the other door and he grabs the other guy. And the, the guy is like wiggling out of his shirt. They're running as fast <laughs> as they can, you know, and then he gets him up and throws him against the truck. You know, this is my memory. And again, my memory could be, flawed you know I know I think we all you know 20 years ago our memory's not good but that's that's what I remember but I remember that day thinking that is a man yeah that's what a man does because just as Adam worked and tended the garden the garden that God gives men today may not be an actual garden it may be your family maybe your children maybe your wife and that is what we're supposed to do is protect and nurture we're supposed to raise up grow and tend and um you know, I think the other part, last part I would see that is masculinity is there's some part of nature that God has connected men and women to. He was in the garden too, but there's a part of masculinity. Like I always wanted to go camping and every time I went, it was destructive and I lost stuff and broke stuff and it was like miserable. But when we all see that beautiful picture of whatever the waterfall, we all, no matter who you are, male or female, there's something that attracts you to it. Mm-hmm. Mm, I I just love how you brought up the story because like as you were explaining it I was like wow your dad seems just so strong and mighty but also like tender like he was tender to his little girl and like hey I'm so sorry but let's go fight for you yeah. like I'm gonna fight for you in this I'm gonna you yeah. know have just justifiable anger because you are my daughter mm-hmm. and I am your father and so and like and then even that shows you like as a, as a little boy, like your father, like, oh, he's a protector. My dad's a protector. You know, he's using his strength to be a protector for his family, for his kids. Yeah. And he just seems so big and mighty. And I love 
how you brought up um, like masculinity. Yes, it's strong. Yes, it's capable. Yes, it comes from a lot of strength like Thor, but it's also tender. It's also nurturing. It's also like um, something that like he can see what's going on and he can have authority in it with a tender heart, but also like a strong and justifiable anger to it. And I love how you brought up like how like men can be creative too, because Adam was creative, like creativity isn't a part of just femininity. It's Mm -hmm. just a part of all of us, you know? And so like, I love how you brought that up because like some people like say about men, like, oh, he's really creative. And like, this could be men in photography or in art or just like business at, at all. And like, there's so many creative men out there, but they call it like, oh, that's your feminine side. No, it's not. Yeah. It's his masculine side. Creativity yeah. is part of masculinity. And I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. So that's going to bring a lot of freedom and like, oh, wow. Yeah. No, it's not femininity. It's your masculinity as a part of you. Cause that's what Adam was. Yeah. Yeah. It's not skinny jeans either. You can be creative with some <laughs> baggy jeans. exactly exactly and so like I think that brings us into um like so what was Adam's purpose and we we have like we have notes guys so because we don't want to lead you astray but yeah because it brought up you you did this but um Genesis 2 15 um it goes into Adam's purpose and I have my bible right here and I can read it at first I gotta find it one second (laughs) and I'm sorry guys if you can hear my bible papers I try not to but it's fine okay okay the lord god took the man and put him in the garden of of eden to work it and to take care of it oh I, I love that by the way I have the niv version okay so just like we just said like that was what Adam was supposed to do. He was supposed to tend to the garden. He was supposed to get his hands dirty and, and, and work in it, you know, and maybe protect it. Like that was his purpose. Absolutely. I think there's a difference, you know, um, work the soil, take care of the garden. Mm-hmm. I think one is a very creative planting. You're mm-hmm. starting something new. There's, there's creation, there's making. And then I think the other one is tending. Um, yeah. Like I've planted a tree before. You have to go out there and water it and you have to put some tree spikes around it, you know, it's not, it's not, just, it's just not magic. You can't just turn on the sprinkler every day. There's, there's a little bit more to it. You don't want to overwater it. You have to tend to it. Exactly. It takes a lot of like time and effort in order to um, tend to a garden. Like this is just like a side note, but mm-hmm. I've been like trying to grow plants because oh I think God, that it's yeah. so cool. And I kid you not, almost every single plant that I've gotten, I've killed. Oh my God. <laughs> I would probably be that same way. Like it just takes so much like thoughtfulness and, yeah. and like just always remembering about the plant or like, you know, making sure that it has all of it, the things that it needs. And I guess like that is just not my strength. Mm-hmm. You know, what's bringing up a lot for me as we're talking about this, because like, there's like a lot of men who, and I've heard this before from somebody that like God gave him like a word. And he's like, this would be yours if, if you take care of it though. So you have to choose into taking care of it and it will be yours. But if you don't take care of it, then there's nothing I can, you know, like not, I, well, I'm, I'm not saying like he said, there's nothing I can do, but that's like what I interpret it as. Um, but, and I could be wrong, but like how many men have like gotten a word from God and like, okay, if you take care of it, this can be yours. Like, I want this for you, but you need to take care of it. And then they take care of it at first, but then they lost the stamina or the motivation and they lose it. That's just what comes up for me. Mm. Like, I don't. They they lose the stamina. Yes. Or here's something else I think that they lose. Um, As that gift grows, Mm -hmm. they don't work on their character and their character can't support it. And then it's destroyed. Um, whether it be money, fame, you know, we, we watch all these, you know, famous people. I just was reading something the other day about, you know, this, one of the actresses just saying that her character essentially wasn't able to support the fame and the notoriety or whatever. Mm. And, uh, you know, I even think what you're saying about a word from God, uh, there was a word spoken over me my first time to ever be a camp counselor for my church. It's so great. <laughs> <laughs> I did some, <laughs> I probably made more problems than, uh, was helpful, but, um, the bottom line is this, this guy had this word for me and it was like, God wants to do blank, but this is, it all hangs into what you decide you want to do. Ooh. And, and he said like three huge things. And 
those three huge things I watered down to small things so that I could bite size them. Um, right. But at the end of the day, it really, I think that is God's like, I have this great dream and desire for you. I have this purpose for you, Adam, I have this purpose for you, but if you can't continue to grow and plant seeds for future growth and tend those, how is this going to happen? Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. And that, that honestly brings into like verse 16, it says, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And um, that was God's only command to Adam. That's the only instruction he gave. (laughs) Right. So Adam has all this freedom and this is the only thing that he cannot do. This is the only command, right? Yeah, when I read that, I I, okay, I reread it this morning, and and the first thing that came coming to my head about that was, is first God gives him the liberty of all of this stuff. That's right. the first thing, and He says, "Look, this is the one thing I don't want you to do. Just don't do it." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, how many times, like, if somebody said, "Look, I'm going to give you 2.5 million dollars. You just can't touch this last point five. I mean, essentially, it's the same thing. But yeah. how in the world? He's so stupid, but we all do <laughs> Right. You're like, okay, so we all, all do it. Yeah. You're like, okay, so all of this can be mine as long as I just don't do this one <laughs> single thing. Like, yes. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> you know, exactly. you think. <laughs> and, then, and then it goes into um, verse 18. So when did, like, when God gave Adam a suitable helper, um, it says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper. And at first it wasn't, this wasn't when Eve came in. It was like, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground, all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. Oh, I love that though. Like God wanted to see what Adam would name them. And I love that. He's interested in our creativity. Yes. Oh, I just love that. And then and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. Like God was like, whatever you call them, that's it. You know, yeah. I'm not going to change it. You know, I'm going to go off of what you decide. So the man gave names to all of the stock, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. I love how like God like allowed Adam to rest. Like Adam had to go rest for God to do what he needed to do. Is that kind of cool? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she is taken out of man. And so, oh, okay. This is why man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. So, yeah. So I think that's, and I know you have thoughts about that, Boaz, but I think that's really important to bring up of like, man was never called to be alone. He was never called to hide. He was never called to just be the only person who is living in this 2.5 million, you know, freedom, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And I think the words we read in the Bible, again, um, they're translations from the original. And um, I don't think, I'm not qualified to tell you what the original word means or what it could, but at the end of the day, suitable helper, you know, depending on your version, God said, look, you need a partner. Yeah. Now, what level of partner that is, let's not argue about it, but you still need a partner to do this thing. Mm-hmm. And then the ER, the ER, ERV version says, finally, with an exclamation mark, one like me. Mm-hmm. And I just think that um, that is what God created. I'm going to give you something like you, not mm-hmm. you, but like you to be yeah. this partner. That's so good. I, I love that. Because like a lot of people like, okay, suitable helper, I need to find a wife. And, you know, like (laughs) we take it to the extremism and I'm not taking like the beauty out of Adam and Eve's story, like, like suitable helper, like God, like allowed them to be married. They're one flesh. So there's that within their story. So I'm not taking away 
from that story. But yes, we do tend to be like, okay, I need to, I need to find a wife. I need to find the one, you know, like all that. But like knowing that like we're still powerful within ourselves, individuality is still a very powerful thing. But yes, we partner with God on our decisions. We partner with God in our future. We partner God within our decisions. And so there's that. And then, um, and I, I wanted to ask you this, Boaz, what do you think happened to Adam when Eve came into the picture? Like, how is that, um, such a pivotal moment in Adam's story? Yeah. First, the Bible didn't say how long they lived in the garden before they made that. I know. And I I wish they did. Uh, Yeah. Because I would, you know, you know, we know Adam, I think we go back to the, I think a couple chapters later, it says the genealogy of how many years and all of that stuff. But Mm -hmm. the, the one thing I think is let's say they lived there for 10 minutes or 25 years there was some point of true fantasy this is like heaven on earth um but i think what it did to adam is it probably affirmed his humanity Mm -hmm. um because now there's one like me you know before i'm an animal you know uh, and like when people say humans are just animals i'm like it's not true Uh, what Mm -hmm. animal can do what you can do, think what you can think and create a shelter like you create a shelter. I know there's shelters, you know, beavers make dams, but um, <laughs> so do humans and the dams look a lot damn different. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> um, but I think what I believe like, is really just a, that we are something. It completed, there was a oneness, you know, the Bible talks about marriage becoming oneness. I think immediately he had this oneness of companionship, partnership, helpership, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a completion of, God in the masculine and God in the feminine together yes. creating God on earth. And I'm not saying you have to get married to have God on earth. Yeah. Um, the Bible says we're two or more gathered there. I am, yeah. but I think there's something special about a male female connection marriage that does create, you know, all of these things interjoined together. Oh, I love that. I love the beauty in that. Cause we can't, we can't villainize one or the other, mm-hmm. you know, like I can see, even as we're talking about Adam, I can see parts of me in Adam and I can see mm-hmm. parts of me in his decisions. And honestly in the fall. And I, I want to talk about that. Um, because like, honestly, now I feel a lot of compassion for Adam yeah. more than that, <laughs> more now than ever, because I used to like, it's easy for me to have compassion for Eve. Cause I'm a woman but it was Mm -hmm. way harder for me to have compassion and to not villainize Adam Mm -hmm. as a woman and what was taught to me and people's interpretations of the beginning. And, um, I think the reason why God, um, allows us to see really a lot of ugly in the Bible is because, well, this is the humanity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like we're all, we all fall. Like we're not all villains. We're just all humans. This is a part of our humanity. And it's, it's the good with the bad. It's the good with the bad and the ugly, but it's still beautiful. Um, and so just to get into the fall. Um, so this is Genesis three, one through six. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals. The Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will, you will certainly not die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then, then the eyes of both of them were opened and then they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? So, oh man, when I first read that, like for myself, instead of someone reading it for me on the platform, because I never read it for myself until I was an adult, let's be honest. 
but when I was, when I first read that, I was like, wait a second. So you're telling me he was standing there the whole time and it was just a dialogue between Eve and the devil and Adam was just standing there the whole time. No dialogue. It, like it confused It shocked me to the core. Yeah, Eve no says ever- we. Yeah. We. I mean, she's saying we and uh, that whole time Eve is being tempted. You've got this man who's, who in um, the Christian world is supposed to be the leader of the home doing nothing. Right. And how, it, if, if that's true, then how true is that today? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, move on. Sorry. Yeah. No, 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 that's true because like that, that's part of the fallen man. And uh, what we're, everything we're about to say, guys, like we're saying this out of compassion, but also like, like we, what, like we've said on the, on this podcast, it's so powerful to own the reality of your story. Yeah. It's the most powerful thing you can do. So but that, that brings a lot of compassion in it. So as what we're about to say, but yeah, like where Adam was during the temptation in the garden, he was right beside Eve. He was close with Eve. He was with Eve during it. And part of the fall of man that I see, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, Boaz is like this passiveness, this powerlessness and saying no or standing up maybe this a lack of courage in some areas where they he didn't really believe in himself or he felt like he wasn't capable enough to stand up and say hey this is wrong I heard from the Lord from my own ears face to face with God saying no we cannot eat from that tree and then I relayed that message to Eve so yeah I think oh go ahead no no no, go ahead go ahead yeah in your notes you use the word he just gave into paralysis, paralysis. There it is. Um, and I, I kind of was thinking about paralysis. Like, yeah, I think I would call it complacency. Mm, he, that's good. he just, in, in the garden, everything was free, easy. I say free, but you know, if the soil was so easy that the curse comes later, that you can just put your hands in it. You aren't sweating. You aren't doing anything. That was like the black garden soil you buy in bags. You know, he was having the easiest planning of his life. So I would say he got complacent. Um, he wasn't leading. He wasn't co-leading. He wasn't even talking or asking questions. How many men just sit there and let their families go to whatever, and they just sit on the couch silent? And I see yeah. the same thing in Adam. But really, the problem was he quit tending the garden of his own soul. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm yes. I'm glad you brought that up because there's a lot of men that like put their selves to the back burner. I'm gonna just put my heart in the back burner not tend to my own garden, not tend to my own heart anymore. And like, I'm just gonna, you know, kind of be on survival mode or autopilot in what I quote unquote should be doing or what I have the knowledge of doing. Mm -hmm. But whenever they do that, they're putting so much of their, and I call it like the little boy inside us or like the little girl inside us, but we're talking about men. So like the little boy inside you is really just crying out for connection. It's crying out mm-hmm. to be known. It's crying out to be seen. And, and most importantly, wants to be heard and, and yeah. loved in it. And that's what you're really doing. Like, would you ever like, and Boaz, you have a son, like, would you ever just like put your son to the back burner? And if, as he's crying out or seeking for connection, be like, oh, no, 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 not right now like and I know sometimes we do that like oh not right now baby but like constantly putting him to the back burner or like not just not acknowledging him and ignoring him and that's um typically what we do to our own self sometimes in the busyness or um whatever we, we have in our lives and so and I and I saw that is there anything you want to say okay and and so because I can go on tangents but <laughs> it's like you're doing great there's, there's, there's one thing um I think it's so I don't know. I, I think it's beautiful because in a way it shows us that we're not different, no matter what our circumstances mm-hmm. are, because in a perfect garden with the power of life in the food you're eating to live forever in eternity, there was still dysfunction in a relationship. Yeah. And so it does not matter if you have all the money, all the perfect, all the everything, the supermodel, every, the fame, all of that stuff, there still will be dysfunction because yeah. you're human. Exactly. I feel like that gives us some sort of like freedom too, knowing that like 
there's it's just like we're human so we're not ever going to be perfect we're not ever going to reach you know that space of being a perfect human being because we're not Mm -hmm. there is freedom like knowing that and and realizing that and just taking ownership of that yeah and then also like realizing like okay when I do make a mess that doesn't take away from my identity or who God called me to be now that now that I know that I made a mess well now I know how to clean it up yeah like I think that's the goal Mm -hmm. to have of like when I make a mess Hey, I know how to clean it up. I know how to take ownership. I know how to apologize. And then I know how to not let it shake my identity because I know I am who I still am. And, um, but I did want to bring up this because like you wrote this in the notes, Krista, of like when they ate from the fruit, like what's the first thing that they did after they ate the fruit? What is the first thing that they went and did? They hid. And how many of men, and this goes with humanity, but we're talking about men, um, like how many men just hide as soon as they make a mistake or as soon as they, um, you know, just mess up or go back into quote unquote, if we want to put church, church language of like, um, when they mess up, they'll just like hide and put a lot of shame and hide in that shame and like, and then keep going to like, porn or you know addictions or alcohol or you know sex and all this stuff like and that's where people go to they just they just hide yeah I saw two layers of hiding the first one is I'm gonna hide my makingness with clothes the second is I'm gonna hide my true being completely with with the the bush or tree or whatever Mm. and I think you know we could write a mini sermon on the mount about the layers of we hide but ultimately to not waste a bunch of time. I think I think men hide things because to come out and say it is now rejection. You reject yeah. me. If uh, it, it really comes back to me, it's like you reject me. If I I was afraid of, you know, when I was two second story, when I was yeah. 13, 14 years old, got to my went over to a guy's house, first time I ever got exposed to pornography. I mean, mm-hmm. every magazine, we watched movies. I mean, I had never seen pornography i'd never seen a naked woman you know know, that i can remember and all of a sudden for we stayed up all night watching and seeing all of this stuff like i i I never slept and i never slept the next day and i was just like completely wired and Mm -hmm. then and then completely shamed and i didn't tell anybody for months you know i didn't look at anything else because we didn't have the access then but like for the months after that i was just completely wrecked with shame and i remember like shaking and bawling and crying my eyes out one day at church in the back with my youth pastor just telling him all of the stuff that had happened but it was shame and the hiding and the continual hiding that just completely wrecked me to a point where i hit rock bottom so i think hiding and hiding has an end result of destruction whether you reach it in this life or not. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'm we reached freedom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause it, it, that does make sense when you say like hiding because of like, we're scared that we're going to get rejected. Now we're scared that now that we're not our best selves. Now that we messed up, no one's going to love us anymore. Um, no one's going to see us for who we truly are. All they're going to see is the mess and we're not going to be accepted and loved in it. And I think, I think that's maybe one of men's um, biggest fears is like, am I going to be rejected in this? If I fail, I know that I'm going to be rejected and they partner failure mess ups with rejection. And I see that generationally. Um, I see that now we see that in the past and I, I, I see how that is affecting men in their masculinity now. One thing that I do want to say about that too, is we left off on saying on uh, Genesis three, nine, and it said, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And the next verse, it says, he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. So when we're talking about like hiding, and this is not honestly just for men, because we've talked about like, you know, us women also hiding, you know, from their true authentic selves. And the basis of it was because we're afraid. 
like, and I see it in the Bible too. Like the only reason we hide is because we are afraid, whether we're afraid of, you know, somebody actually seeing us or like, like you mentioned Boaz, like being your authentic self, being naked and then being rejected for it. You know, like I see that as a theme in a lot of people's lives. Um, And whenever I just read this next verse, I was like, and even at the beginning, like they were afraid. So they hid, like, that is why we hide. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I had to put a little nugget in there. No, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it's the fear of rejection. And it's like I, at church, we clothe ourselves with all the right words. We yeah. look a certain way because we don't want to be rejected. Um, because reality is the fear of rejection or rejection or whatever, like it, um, Adam knew that there mm-hmm. was going to be consequences. So there was a legit rear, uh, real rejection coming. Yeah. And, but then there was the fear of the rejection he didn't know could possibly come. Mm-hmm. Would he lose God forever? Exactly. Oh, poor baby. I just, I just see Adam as a little boy of like, don't hate me. Don't be mad at me. And although like, God is like, Hey, like, why did you do that? You know, like God, you know, has, you know, justifiable questions to ask. He wants to know what's going on and he's giving them an opportunity to share their part of the story. their part of the interpretation of it. And um, yeah, I just see, honestly, I just see Adam on a whole new view after this you know just talking about him and like so and that's the thing like adam's story is every man's story mm-hmm. you know men all have a wound in their soul they all put themselves on the back burner they've all like i'm sure they can all like one point in their lives say like oh i was passive like i I didn't have the courage to stand up because I was scared or, Hey, when I did in the midst of that, I did make a mess and I did not know how to clean it up. And I did hide out of fear and, or like, Hey, like God did give me a word and I was supposed to take care of this, but I didn't because I didn't know the tools or as it got bigger. And as I was taking care of it, my character, I was intending to my character and my heart in the midst of it as well. And so I think we can all we can all like just relate to Adam. Like he's not a villain. Um, he was just a little boy who honestly had dominion. That's what it, I, Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm just now realizing <laughs> this because at the beginning of the feminine series, like I said, imagine you as a little girl, like as a baby waking up and you have all authority over the earth. And that's what Eve was. She was a baby. And Adam, he was a baby boy who had all of dominion over the earth and what are you supposed to, you know, like if I was that, like, I'd be like, Oh God, I don't know what to do. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I'm scared. You know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I wanted to bring up was just like, so we just, we talked about, you know, the fall and what happened and then they hid after they ate the fruit. Um, and what I wanted to talk about was just kind of like the repercussions of their actions. So I'm reading from, I'm going to read this little part from wild at heart by John Eldridge. Mm-hmm. And it says, Adam falls and all his sons with him. After that, what do you see as the story unfolds? Violent men or passive men mm-hmm. strength gone bad. You see Cain kills Abel. I don't know how to say the name. Lamesh. Okay. Threatens to kill everybody else. And then God finally floods the earth because of the violent, because because of the violence of men, but it's still going on. Sometimes it gets physical. Most of the time it's verbal. I know Christian men who say the most awful things to their wives, or they kill them with their silence, a cold, deadly silence. Okay. So I, I just wanted to bring up like, just like whenever we were looking at Eve and kind of, you saw right then the repercussions are, are kind of like why we are the way that we are. Mm-hmm. It's the same with Adam. You see those repercussions of that first initial action, that first fall, the first, you know, um, point when Adam could have chosen something, but then decided not to. Yeah. It's, it's definitely like just an attack on a man's mm-hmm. character on a man's like on God's intent of a man, what a man could be and what a man was created to be. And the devil came in and knew as he was just like, honestly, maybe now I'm thinking about this in another way. Like he, the devil made an intent to only talk to Eve and completely dismiss Adam. Mm -hmm. And what, you know, like, what was that to Adam of like, wow, I'm not being seen right now. I'm not being acknowledged. That's good. I'm being. Yeah, I thought of it like that. 
and and so like a man was not seen so what is he to do with that does he hide does he just sit on the back burner does he just let everybody go before him and he just sits there but there's a fall in that you know and so I think the devil was um strategic absolutely and the way he only you know acknowledged Eve and did not acknowledge Adam right right that is insecurity you know you talk about men that you know get lethargic or you know or, or just passive is the right word um but I wonder how much of that is you know they marry a stronger woman when I say stronger just maybe more vocal or whatever mm-hmm. and they just like okay I'm gonna let her lead you know um I married a woman who is equally as strong as me um and we've naturally fallen into this thing of if it matters to you <laughs> really like you're if it's a an a tier thing then I'll take and I don't care as much and I'm just okay paint the cows purple I don't care you know whatever you know vice versa those things and that that's worked for us um, but I think a lot of a lot of men don't know that say okay I know you're really passionate but here's something I'm passionate about and we got to find these things and I think that, that right there yeah what you're saying about Satan attacking Eve while Adam was there but not you know addressing him is really probably a, a big fall for a lot of men their insecurity gets hurt or, you know, and they just take almost sit on the couch and let you rule, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that falls into many different things after that. Like, especially now, generationally, it can fall into like addictions. It can, it can fall into like, let's cover up this wound with a band aid and let's see whatever I can do just to not feel this pain. And that will like interest into our next episode. But, but I do want to provide hope for man. I want you to know that like, if you've seen yourself in Adam's story and that's, that's your story, I want you to know that there is still hope. You don't have to partner with hopelessness. You don't have to partner with a lie of like, oh, I'm never going to get that back. Oh, like I can just hear a lot of um, accusation in your brain or in your heart that might be coming of like, dang, I messed up. Like I should have tended to the garden. Like I should have like upheld my character. Oh my God, why didn't I do that? Now I messed up forever. Now I'm never going to have it again. Now it's like, there's no redemption and whatever all these, um, you hear that voice of accusation. Um, I want to know that that's a lie. And I want to put a stop to that because that's not true. There is still hope. There is redemption. There is still miracles. God is a big God. He's mighty and he's still fighting for you. He doesn't only fight for women. He fights for men. Um, and he chose you and he, he sees you and he's still choosing you. And there's still hope in your story and you can get it back. Or maybe it might look different. You might have something better. Um, who knows, but, and so I just wanted to, I wanted Boaz, um, if you could just bring hope to men who are feeling that way and just feel like just hearing a lot of voice of accusation, and if you could just pray over them um, as we're coming to an end in this episode. Absolutely. I, I would tell you, men, if you look at the way when men, men, man and woman were created, the, the unique um, total being of God by the representation of this earth. So if you look at a woman as someone to rule to reign over she's your underling then you're not living with god's full oneness in your marriage in your relationships with women how you see them um this isn't a am i a feminist yes i believe all women are equal with men i think because if not then we could say that man is 60 75 god and women are only 35 percent, and that's insulting to the creator because that's not what he says yeah. so let me pray for you mm-hmm. God, I thank you that you gave us the ultimate man, you know, after Adam, the second man of Jesus to look up to. And God, I just pray for any man that's struggling in his identity, struggling in his relationship. And um, God, I just pray that you would give him eyes to see and ears to hear. And I pray that your word would come alive. Certain things from this podcast would come alive to him. Ultimately, Holy Spirit, that you would come and be life giving, that you'd be a river of life flowing in and out of him. And God, I just pray that you would uh, open his eyes to see truth, um, what it means to be a man. I pray that you would open women's eyes to see what a man should be and um, help them encouragement to be who they're created to be as well. God, I pray that you give ears for that man to hear truth and not um, ideals or 
um, religion or different things that are being taught all on, on many platforms, but that he would stop the noise and that he would go to the source. Holy Spirit speak to the men um, about who they are and that, yes, we have the human side of Adam, but we also have the spirit side of Jesus, what, what true man is. And God, I just pray for revelation over men in our country, in our world, in our nation. I just pray that it would be a, a global pandemic that men come alive to who they're created to be. Um, and they treat the world in the way that you taught us through Adam to tend and to grow and to be responsible for what you put in our hands. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You can do it, men. We believe in you. You are capable. You are strong. And and you can choose to live out of your own strength and your strength is not gone, gone. And you just have to allow it to show up. And, um, we believe in you, you are more than capable and you've got this and maybe going back for yourself to look at the Bible and read Adam's story and see what your beliefs are about Adam. Like truly what your beliefs are about men. I had to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, God had to really strip a, a lot of, um, villainizing, um, right. narratives <laughs> and he did. And, um, it's, I feel more freer. I mean, I'm still working on it. It is a journey. I've, I've been through a lot with men. We all know this. Um, so I'm still on that journey, but I'm a lot better than I was four months ago. Yeah. And so um, just go back and just reiterate or um, just look at Adam's story and see what you believe and kind of have God just meet you in that compassion and in, in that state. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. All right. Well, Boaz, thank you so much for being here and we love you so much and we'll see you in the next episode. (laughs) Thank you. I love you guys too. I'm proud of you. No, thank you, Boaz. Do you want to say anything? No, I was going to say, Boaz, you're going to have to um, do our ending with us, which at the end we always say bye. Okay. I know we do this for all of our guests. They're like, okay. (laughs) It's like an initiation phase, you know? (laughs) Initiation. Initiate you. <laughs> Welcoming you into the family, into the humanity family. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we love y'all so much. One, two, three. Bye. 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 <laughs>